0: Hello, welcome to the minimap cast. My name is Jeremy. Uh, you might be looking at this going, "Where's Kerry? It's like, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like, "Where's Waldo?" Where's Kerry? Oh, I should actually put him. I should put him in one of these little buildings up here. That'd be funny. Um, the minimap cast is changing a little bit. Um, you'll probably notice by at least the runtime, um, and also the fact that uh, we said we'd take a month off, and we took uh, what ended up being a month and a half off. Um, partly because I ended up just getting quite ill and had a rash all over my shoulders and neck and decided that I didn't want to be on TV, on on TV, on camera while I had a rash on me. Um, But uh, the podcast is changing. We said it was going to change last year, um, and it has. Um, So first of all, where's Kerry? He's still here. He's still around. Um, The podcast is not going to be the main thing that we do anymore because that was never the point. Um, and it's a better use of our time to not make it the main use of, um, or like the main, uh, content, uh, pillar for Minimap. So the podcast is changing. Um, Kerry's not going to be on it all the time. He might still jump in here and there. Um, but it's not going to be a thing that is going to be a regular, consistent, um, both of us being on it all the time thing. Um, the show is now, uh, being bumped to be a, uh, fortnightly thing, um, or bi-weekly, um, if you are from, uh, the, the, the northwest of the world. Um, it is going to be shorter. We're not going to be doing, uh, two-hour episodes anymore, three-hour episodes anymore, where we accidentally go to bed at, like, half past midnight or whatever, um, that's not sustainable, um, and it's not really a great use of our time. So the the show is changing. It's going to be a fortnightly show. It's going to be on Thursdays now. Um, still going to stream it. This one isn't streamed, but only because I'm still throwing it all together last minute. Like I had to rearrange my room again to, to get everything set up. Um, couldn't be bothered doing it live stream today. Um, going forward, in two weeks, it will be live streamed every Thursday afternoon um, from about six thirty seven o'clock aiming to hit a seven o'clock start time uh it'll go for about an hour there will be uh a a much less of a pre-show much less of a post-show um it's and also when we're on break now we're actually gonna go on break it's not gonna be a i'm just gonna stop doing the podcast but i'm still gonna be on camera because it turns out that's not a break that's not how that works um so That'll be a thing um, it'll be a, a, a every two week thing now um, and on top of that um, with a sort of uh, with a uh, on on the other Thursdays that the that the podcast will not be on I'm still hoping to want to do sort of a a live show thing kind of a much more ad hoc just jump in. Play some games, maybe talk about whatever's happened in the past week. Maybe just give it like one or two impression of things, but it's going to be a lot looser. It's not going to have like an itinerary. Um, it's also not going to be a consistent every other two week thing. Sometimes, if I've got say like a review that I want to put out and I want to spend that day actually um, writing instead, I'm 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 not going to um, put this live show thing. Um, as a higher priority than actually getting a piece of content out on the website because that's the biggest reason that this podcast is is sort of uh taking a a a lower position in the hierarchy of importance for the things that we want to put on the website is because we want to do more other stuff we want to do more previews more reviews more other pieces of just like just opinion articles blogging um other stuff experiment sort of have some fun um and this often would sort of uh use up a lot of our energy especially because we were doing it earlier in the week which was a there were there were reasons we were doing that in the past which are just purely logistical moving it later in the week i think will give myself at least a bit more of a a bit more room to get some other stuff done earlier in the week and not feel immediately drained because of the stuff that happened because of running this show on a monday Um, and hopefully we'll also allow the show to feel a little bit more uh uh reactive to the week that has just happened as opposed to like oh there's a thing happening on tuesday thing happening on wednesday we're not going to know what that is um until then so the podcast is going to feel a little bit out of date which is hilarious saying that as uh in about 14 hours or so um xbox are going to publish um a an episode of their podcast which is going to detail the future of xbox's plans going forward with phil spencer and sarah bond and all that stuff which is it's just hilarious that that was a decision that we made that in the hope that we wouldn't have pending news looming over the podcast that was going to happen after the thing recorded and that happened almost immediately um which is hilarious um so yeah that's that's kind of uh the the state of the site um for now um it's been uh nice to have some time off early, uh through the beginning of the week uh beginning of the year rather which is hilarious considering that in my time off i wrote a review which is on the website um for a video game called Bantam knights i'm in the middle of writing another review um for uh the prince of persia the, uh, the lost crown um which is amazing by the way i finished that just the other day um and we've got other stuff coming as well wanna do foam stars reviews for example. Um so, if you don't know, uh this is the Minimapcast. It's a podcast about video games. Um MiniWrapcast is a fortnightly video podcast that goes live every Thursday evenings, aside from today. If you like what you're hearing, make sure you tell your friends and give the show a positive rating wherever you listen to your podcast. It makes a huge difference and it only takes a few seconds. Want to get notified every time a new episode is released? Make sure to follow us on social media. We are at Minimap on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and also Twitch, where the Minimap cast goes live every Thursday night at about 6.30 uh, Melbourne time. The subject to change. Uh, Minimap also wants to say thank you to Shook for letting us use the Moog Model D Improv as the music for the Minimap cast. You can listen to more of Shook's music at shook.bandcamp.com. And finally, Minimap is completely independent and funded almost entirely um, out of our own pockets. To help keep the mics and lights on, you can support us by becoming a patron. For only $5 a month, you can know exactly what you are... uh, for $5 a month, you can know that you are indeed supporting the show and you will also gain access to some of our special bonus features like t- taking trips down memory lane where uh, Kerry and I watch old E3 coverage from yesteryear. Um, head on over to Patreon patreon.com slash minimapau to help us out. And remember, it is cheaper than a latte with oat milk. Turns out the uh, month and a half off in between doing the last episode of the show and this episode, uh, coffees have not gotten any cheaper. In some areas, they have gotten more expensive. Uh, I I can't see that happening anytime soon, that, that that coffee will get cheaper than supporting us. So why don't you just support us once a month instead of getting uh, your 10th coffee for the week? Um, yeah, so uh, welcome back to the Cast. We are here again in 2024. Um, there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about today, uh, mostly just sort of two things that I've been doing recently. Um, One of them is I've been playing uh, Control, um, and I finally finished Control after I finished Alan Wake last year. Um, Finally went back to Control, finished that, and started playing some some of the DLC. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But the thing that I did want to start off with is um, looking ahead to this year, as I did at the beginning of the show, I also wanted to start to look ahead um, at, at... sort of where all the big players are sort of sitting. I know it's February, so we've already sort of had some movement in that space. Um, I thought about making this show about the three big players, Nintendo, Xbox, um, PlayStation, sort of where they're at over the next um, uh, 12 months. But considering that we're about to get a whole bunch of information about Xbox, some of it's sort of leaked here and there about games like Hi-Fi Rush making its way over to uh, PlayStation and Switch. And we understand that there's going to be a lot more of their games making their way over to other platforms. And I think there was a there was a report from um, uh, that Andy Robinson um, posted uh, on uh, VGC or Video Chronicle. I forget, I forget the name of the outlet. Um, talking about how they uh, a lot of uh, Xbox employees were told um, today ahead of the. Um, ahead of the uh, announcement for the the plans of Xbox for the the future was that they should be thinking about um, every screen is an Xbox, which is sort of a continuation of their Play Anywhere sort of scheme with, you know, play Xbox game, pass on a TV, on your phone, yada, yada, yada. Every screen is an Xbox. We don't really know what that means. Probably links into their Keystone project, but we'll find out more about that um, tomorrow. And on top of that, um, Nintendo, there's, it's, It's February, which means there'll be a Direct at some point this month. Um, They've been doing that for the past six years. Um, I can't imagine they'll change it, considering that they've got a handful of games that are going to come out between now and the announcement of their new hardware. This will probably be the last Nintendo Direct, whenever it's announced, um, for the Nintendo Switch. And then the one after that will be their big presentation announcement of, hey, here's the Nintendo Switch 2. Here's the Super Nintendo Switch, whatever it is. Um... Yeah, so but Playstation. There is some information that has come out about Playstation um in the past uh two days. Um mostly uh it a lot of this is coming from um, PlayStation and Sony held their quarter three Financial Twenty Twenty Three Consolidated Financial Reports, uh th- which is um a big report about um from the the uh, which B- that big report which is about their three months that ended um on december twenty first tw- sorry december thirty first twenty twenty three um there's a couple things that are of really really big interest in here um one of the things is that uh they went when talking about the hardware of the playstation 5 um this is a quote from the report it will enter its fifth year since launch and partially uh, partially due to its entering the latter half of the console cycle, we aim to optimize sales with the greatest emphasis on the balance of profits, blah, blah, blah. They're talking about the PlayStation 5 entering the latter half of the console cycle. Um, not latter stages, which is what um, some outlets have, have, have been accidentally misquoting. It's entering its latter half, so its second half of the hardware. Um, this is kind of weird, I think. Um, th- there's There's... Not not because the time frame doesn't match up, because it it sort of does. Like it was, what twenty twenty one when the con- or twenty twenty when the console came out, um, you know, where where a, f- a four year half cycle, an eight year full cycle of this hardware feels a little bit odd. I think not because that doesn't feel like it's enough time, but I think people are sort of looking at the PlayStation Five going okay this there are some quite good games on there um, but it hasn't felt like it's got a complete uh, library at least in my opinion um, that has made this be a really standout console when you would look back at it um, there's been a, a lot of like third-party games that are really good um, and you know depending on how tomorrow goes <laughs> we're gonna get a bunch of Xbox games um, being added to it at some point as well Um but you know, like the been games, like you know, Spider-Man Two just came out, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, and a handful of others. The new Ratchet and Clank, like they're they're good, but they're not, um, you know, three Uncharted games and a Last of Us, three God of Wars, um, or two God of Wars, whatever was on the PS4. Um, uh, sorry, sorry, no, uh, on on the PS3. Um, it's it's. it's in a funny spot. And I think because a lot of the games that they've been pushing over the past uh, eight years or so, um, a lot of the the Jim Ryan era um, of games, which is coming to an end also at some point um, this year, um, those games have been big, you know, triple-A, high, high budget, high production value games that are, you know, intensely cinematic um, primarily single player focused, uh, but also um, part of that 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 prestige culture of game that they've been that had that has been I think that they've been emulating um, for quite a while now and they've started to sort of rope a lot of their other um, IP um, stuff like God of War um, to make it sort of fit this this prestige style of game. Um, you know the the style of game that is that was more popularized with games like the last of us um very cinematic very heavy heavily story focused um with uh, a, a touch of more um grounded gameplay i think is how i want to describe it not that not that those games don't have their big grandiose moments but a majority of their their games are about um the the, the people that are in them and how gruff and uh high fidelity and dirty a lot of the the gameplay has been um obviously not they haven't all been like that you know we're still getting games like astrobot like jeff Grubb was tweeting today that there, there's a good chance we might get an astrobot game um this year um and you know spider-man is is it is sort of towing the line in between that prestige thing and also like uh, uh comical combat it's not quite um leaning into comic maybe as much as we would want it's sort of a step back closer to mcu stuff um but it's still doing its own thing and ratchet and clank obviously is another one where it's like yeah like this is just a straight full-on ratchet and clank game there's no there's no minimal ui here or or you know sad moments where uh you know someone gets hit in the head with a, a golf club Um, nothing not that that's innately bad but it's just that, that's what they're going for right um however Another quote, just a couple paragraphs down from that um, one that I read prior in this financial report says, regarding first-party software, we aim to continue to focus on producing high-quality works and developing live service games. But while while major projects are currently under development, we do not plan to release any new major existing franchise titles next fiscal year like God of War Ragnarok and Marvel Spider-Man. Now, this is quite interesting um i was talking to um uh luke from checkpoint the other day about the year ahead talking about playstation talking about what they've got for us and i've I've also spoken to carrie about this recently as well like what are we expecting from them this year you know we've got um hell divers 2 just came out published by playstation that game is doing really well. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I really want to. I will over the next couple of weeks, so you will probably hear me talk about that in a couple of weeks. Um, they've also got um, that Rise of Ronan game that is coming out. Um, it's not developed by them; it's developed by um, uh, Team Ninja, um, but uh, it's, it is published by them. Um, Team Ninja, yes, Team Ninja, not not Ninja Theory, which is, I always get them mixed up, I always get them mixed up, but I didn't this time, which is great. Um, that's being published by them. They'll publish probably a couple other Bandai Namco games, um, but we're not going to get a major existing franchise title between now and I think it's April of 2025, which is wild to me. Um Not because I think that they're all incredible and I think that we really need them right now because I sort of don't and I sort of don't, but they've been operating on this intensely high budget, everything needs to hit and it needs to hit hard sort of mentality and, and business model for quite a long time now. I've spoken a lot in the past, but I think it's a really good example. The reason we're not going to get a Days Gone 2 is not because Days Gone 2 wasn't a very good game, even though I think it wasn't. It's not because it wasn't popular and didn't find its fan base, because it, it did. It's because it didn't hit the levels of an Uncharted or a God of War or a. a even Ration and Clank, honestly. Um, th- th- that game isn't a it's it's not a a a game where you can see potential for three further days gone games over the next 20 years it's just not um and so that's sort of where they're operating in at the moment they need games they need the the, the scope of the games that they are currently making need to hit in a way that is as I've described for a quite a long time, I think quite unsustainable because then you end up with the stars eventually will align in a way that will allow them to have a year where there will be no major um, no no major new uh addition to any of their major franchises for an entire year. Um they've obviously got um their their hands in in other areas as well. They you know they've they purchased Bungie um uh like i think 18 months ago now or something like that and so we're now starting to see w- we're leading into the final shape which is going to be the final uh ex- the final uh major expansion for this saga of destiny 2 um that'll be probably the 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 biggest thing that that um sony will get out of bungie for the next uh couple of years um short of uh, marathon which is also struggling quite a lot um, the naughty dog um, live service game that has recently been cancelled and there was a, there was a whole big news cycle about that um, that is I think also like they obviously felt like they didn't really want to make that game but th- the other part of this quote is that they are developing a lot of live service games but um, we're going to start to see that. I think not this year. I think next year, and I think we'll get a couple of them. And I think they might accidentally shrink themselves out because I don't know which ones from where we should be expecting over the next year. Um, what I think this co- this this surprised me was that n- not that um, like it it was it was a little bit surprising in the sense that I can't believe they're actually going to go a whole year without a new um, major existing franchise title, but. I actually expected to get at least one, which in my mind is the one that would be, I guess, closest to, um, us seeing it, us starting to hear about it, which would be uh, ghost of Tsushima two or, or whatever it ends up being called. Um, cause I'm not expecting anything from, anything from Naughty Dog, especially after what happened. Uh, Insomniac are just kind of chugging along. Like there's a whole bunch of information about what they're working on. That's out there. I'm not going to go super into it. Um, Timelines change, I guess, whatever they've been working on that was meant to come out this year, I guess, has been pushed. That's fine. Um, and a handful of their other studios, like, you sort of you don't immediately know what you're going to get with thing like Bend. You don't immediately know what you're going to get now with Media Molecule changing shape. Um, so the only one I was really looking, and uh, we're not going to get the next Horizon game this year, considering um, Forbidden West came out really not that long ago and dlc came out even sooner um coast consumer seemed like the next logical step and we're not going to get that at all in the next um year and a bit um according to this uh financial report which i just found uh a bit surprising honestly um what else like they've there's a lot of uh, rumors around um, what they're going to be looking at in terms of hardware. There was some rumors recently about them um, starting to look at like a another PlayStation Vita. I don't personally see it. Maybe they want to enter that market against Nintendo and and the Steam Deck and the Roger Ally and all those other ones. I don't see them looking at that going. We can really make a splash here. I can see them looking at that market going. Let's get our games on on uh pc so that we can roundabout way enter that market that way um the playstation portal i think has been it's just kind of it's just out there it's just kind of released it's obviously not uh, a standalone piece of hardware you need to have a playstation 5 to run it um but i think it is it's kind of dipping their toe in the water to to making their their console and their ecosystem more experience, uh, m- able to be more exper- uh, able to be experienced in more places rather but um, it's not really much of an entry in that area so I don't super know like I still don't really know why that thing came out but I don't see them looking at the PlayStation portal and going yeah the next thing we all want to do is actually make another handheld that is dedicated to running PlayStation games and, and, and games that are in the PlayStation ecosystem it just seems a bit um it just it just doesn't make an immediate sense to me plus with the outgoing current head of um PlayStation uh, Jim Ryan uh, and then the new whoever replaces him coming in at some point i think it'll take a little bit before we before we see what's like uh what that vision is going to be um there also was um a quote from uh the I, I believe it was the chief operating officer. I'm just going to quickly pull that one up because I think that that was also quite interesting. Okay, so what I was talking about um, was uh, uh, reported on by uh, Takahashi Mochizuki, um, who is a reporter from Bloomberg, um, uh, published some articles on on Bloomberg about this. I'm mostly going to be reading from um, his his Twitter account um, from some tweets that he that he posted as a lot of this earning call stuff was coming out. Um, uh, what he says is that uh, Sony says PlayStation 5 hardware sales in October to December quarter fell short of its plan for 25 million sales, um, cut their current financial year PS5 sale goal um, to 21 million from 25 million. PS5 is entering, um, as, as we said before, um, the latter half of its life cycle and the PS5 hardware sales um, uh, slowdown is, is ahead. Um, also mentions that uh, that no new title releases um, from big existing PlayStation franchises is planned for the next financial year. Uh, Also said that Sony said that the drastic price cut on the PS5, similar to what Sony did to the PlayStation 4, is difficult as rumours limited to cut production cost of the PS5 compared to the PS4. I assume that's because the PlayStation 5 production, obviously things are more expensive to make uh, right now than they were back then. However, there's a lot more... Intricacies to the PlayStation Five, like their liquid cooling solution and a whole bunch of other stuff, and it's just different shape um, means that it's just a more expensive uh, uh, thing to manufacture, including things like you know chip shortages that we've experienced uh, through and post COVID as well. However, the thing that I that I that I uh, meant to to mention before uh, from Sony's chief operating officer, uh, this is a quote. It's been four months since I became the chairman of SIE, which is Sony Interactive Entertainment. A big problem over SIE is that I found they don't necessarily have a deep understanding of how their work is being translated to growth, generation of sustainable profits, and higher margin for the unit as a whole. Um, He then goes on to say that I see more analysts saying Sony needs a PlayStation 5 Pro before the launch of Nintendo's next-gen system, which I'll get to in a moment. Uh, the Chief Operating Officer mentioning that that, that uh, SIE doesn't have uh, a, a deep understanding of how their work is being translated to growth, generation of sustainable profits and higher margin for the unit as a whole is really, really fascinating. I think that this, this uh, lines up with some of the um, information that we've been hearing over the past um, year that they're going to be transitioning to uh, making a lot more live service games. Um, hopefully that doesn't mean every studio has to make a live service game. We have seen Naughty Dog obviously saying, we tried to make it, it didn't work. And we like and their statement saying that, that Naughty Dog ar- arrived at a crossroads where we can see that we would only be making live service games or making the games we really want to love. Um, and they, they, they chose the latter, which I think was a, a good decision overall. Um, hopefully, that means that studios are not going to be forced into making live service games if they don't want to, as we know from games like Marvel's Avengers, um, uh, Suicide Squad, Kills the Justice League, um, that other um, uh, Babylon's Fall from um, Square Enix. Uh, that a lot of these games probably would have been better games if they were not so live fo- focused, live service focused, and and heavy on microtransactions and seasonal content and all this stuff um not saying that that, that the studios didn't want that but i'm saying that definitely the publishers did so um i think it is fascinating that the sony coo is being so frank talking about this and and about how uh there isn't a, a tremendous amount of um understanding um with what works and what doesn't um i think that that also uh makes sense in the sense of them going and purchasing bungie um because they've been making uh with with overall success um apart from the past 12 months obviously with with a tremendous amount of layoffs and their their incredibly inflated um uh targets um, that for the most part destiny 2 has been quite a successful game for the studio they survived being under Activision going independent still releasing the game acquire and then being acquired again um, by by PlayStation so there's 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 understanding there that 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 uh, destiny and perhaps marathon we don't know what that's going to look like yet Pro- probably another live service thing we don't really know but um, as well as as well as some other projects we we can see that they want to start moving into this area um personally i think they that that's not going to uh work out for them in the way that they wanted to because you can't just make a fortnight which is i'm sure what everybody wants right you can't just say oh i'm just going to make the next fortnight thing like it doesn't it doesn't quite work that way um You can't just have a live service game just suddenly make you a whole bunch of money. How many live service games have we seen over the past eight years, six years, um, that have come, been around for a couple of seasons, started to wind down, and then just fell off the face of the map? Uh, Anthem, I think, is a really good example of that, where EA were definitely looking at that going, we've got the people who made Mass Effect and Dragon Age, and we're going to get them to make a new IP, which is really exciting on paper, and that new IP is going to be about people in mechs, which got me really excited at the time. But it's going to be really intensely live service and it's going to be all online and all that stuff. That game was um, uh, shuttered in a, in, a, in a developmental sense before they could even have their 2.0, let's really, really dig in and try and make this a thing that people are going to love. Um, that hasn't worked. It's and it's that's a similar story in a lot of places. Um, there will be failures from this decision. Um, not that there will be, not that the other direction is guaranteed success, but live service games that are sustainable and profitable to an extent that a studio would like to see, uh, you know, quarter on quarter growth is really hard to do. And those games fail more often than they succeed um, the final thing about um, uh, PlayStation as a whole this year um, because again it's kind of this is it, a lot of this report is kind of just putting it in a position where we're not gonna really expect much from them this year I guess we'll, we'll get a bunch of third-party stuff we will get probably some new IP because it it, it, it explicitly mentions um, about the the no no games between now and and next year that's about major franchises that already exist there'll probably be some new ip stuff i doubt that um astrobot is considered a a a major franchise by playstation um so we'll probably see maybe we'll see some returns to some of their previous franchises like you know i would love to see like a new wipeout or i'd love to see Return to something like maybe like Starhawk or some deep cut, Jack and Baxter, maybe Ape Escape, gimme something from from their, their backlog that we haven't seen for a long time. I'd love something like that. A, a new take on one of those old, old one of those old series. Um, but I think we're probably just gonna get a lot more Sony published third party games um, over the next or like I guess second party games over the next um, financial year from them. But yeah, just touching finally on there um, on uh, Takahashi Mochizuki's, um note about that he's seeing more analysts saying Sony needs a PS5 Pro before the launch of Nintendo's next gen. I don't understand this argument at all. I, I really don't. I don't see how. I don't see how the bottleneck for 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 PlayStation um, b- being the computer needs to be better. Like I've not looked at any PlayStation Five game. And when oh, I really wish this looked better, right? Like their games are like th- a lot of their games, their high fidelity games, especially they look incredible. You know, uh, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden uh, Forbidden West. Visually, they're really stunning looking games. There's some issues with readability, as people have noted, where the higher fidelity you get, the less rebe- uh, the less um, readability you have, but. We've got, like, you know, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm not looking at that game going, wow, they're really, you know, pushing their head against the top of the console Um, in terms of, like, a power draw. I don't know what a PS5 Pro really does for this console. They need more exciting, more games, smaller games games that are a, a bit more creative, perhaps. Um, Humanity, I think, is a really great example of that, where it's from the folks that... Um, it's from Enhanced Entertainment, the folks that made like Tetris Effect and and uh, Rares as well, I believe. Um, that was a really cool, really interesting puzzle game um, that is... Look, it's not a 10-pole release for PlayStation. It's not a game that's going to you know, set the world on fire and is going to get a HBO adaptation and is going to have, you know, Timothy Chalamet saying that he's playing it on the red carpet for Wonka 2 or whatever. It, that's not that game. But it also doesn't need to be that game because it's not, you know, $800 million and half of that going to marketing. It's a... it's a, it. They need to remember why a lot of their games were so popular and it wasn't always about um being the biggest game in the world shadow of the colossus and 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 uh some of their other like you know the ratchet and clank series they weren't games that were like oh my god this is going to be the greatest game or rather the largest game that has ever been made but they're they're stuck in this awkward loop of Every game needs to be another Spider-Man. Every game needs to be another Uncharted, right? It's 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 quite awkward, and I I hope that they don't look at the PS5 Pro and go, "This is what everyone needs right now," because I, I just don't see that being it. Um, that's my feeling on on PlayStation for this year. Um, I'm I'm sure we'll see some stuff from them. We'll probably get maybe another another update on the controller. Hopefully, some more additions to their trip to their like uh, streaming service, Game Pass equivalent, where PlayStation Plus Plus Plus. Um, however, I don't, I don't super know what to expect from them this year, because um, they've had their, they've had their anti eclipse where, like it's it's the everything is lining up, for there to be a a gap in in their release um, timings, so. Yeah. So, so that's PlayStation. Um, the, the final thing that I want to talk about, um, uh, for this episode is, um, control. Um, I went back, as I said, at the beginning of the show, I went back to control. Um, I finished Alan Wake two last year and to be quite honest with you, I need more, right? I've, I've had this, this urgent desire to be in that space more. Uh, as i get further from uh, rolling credits um from alan wake the more i think it was just so cool and so um creative um and in in a lot of ways quite innovative um and i want to feel like i'm in that that space again and and i you know like i'm lucky enough that alan wake 2 is going to get a couple of dlc's um i don't know when they're coming out but like sam lake is talking about them quite explicitly about the first one is uh, is, uh, I forget what the first one's about, the second one is explicitly about Control and the FBC and and the oldest house and all that stuff. Um, and yes, before you run to the comments and tell me, yes, I know that they did add an additional, um, th- that the New Game Plus version of Alan Wake 2 is different and has got some additional stuff added to it and some changes and I will get to that at some point. I just didn't want to immediately go back and start that game from the beginning again. Um, so I decided to do the next best thing, which is return to Control, been playing the PS5 edition, um, loaded up my old save from whenever the PS5 edition came out, which I think is what, 2021, or no, no, 2020 even, 2019, was it, twi- no, that was when the game came out, 20, 2021 I think is when when the when the PS5 edition came out. Um, loaded up my old save, figured out where I was in the story, which was about, uh, maybe a third maybe a bit further than a third not quite halfway and i just sort of gave it 3 hours every other day while i was also getting through prince of persia um what a cool game control is uh it is uh, playing it at the same time as another metroidvania but not as another side scrolling metroidvania i think helped uh, where i was i was in that mindset of i'm playing a metroidvania i need to get to the next you know Bonfire, whatever it's called, to make sure that I'm that I'm not uh, gonna die and then lose a bunch of progress. Um, you know, returning to areas with abilities, better weapons, etc., etc. Uh the the story of that game is quite fascinating. It took a turn, um, three quarters of the way through for light control spoilers when 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 you meet your brother and you you finally have that moment of reconnecting um and and that like awkward like oh my god is he okay what is going on with him and and you find out more about the hiss and and all of that stuff and and finding out more about trench as well who was the the director of the of of the fbc prior to jesse who was the main character of control coming in at the very beginning of the game um but what i found strange was that the I didn't expect the ending of the game to creep up on me quite as quickly as it did. Um, it was surprising when the credits rolled, I think, for me, honestly. Um, the, when, when it actually happened, I was quite shocked. And and spoilers again, no, I'm not talking about the fake-out that you get. I'm talking about the actual credits. I expected maybe another perhaps 40 minutes of, of the final event happening, I guess. Um, a bit more combat a bit more boss fight perhaps um but i think overall it's really cool um i then like you know started to to explore a little bit more after i i I rolled credits because i i expected a bit more so i decided well i'll just give it a bit more and and turns out there's actually quite a bit of story that happens after the game when you're cleaning up stuff and they react to um you finishing the game People's positions have changed. Everybody understands that the ending of the game has happened and and the game continues on from there. So there's some more side stuff happening after that. But what I really wanted to do actually was get to the the Alan Wake DLC in Control. Um, Something that was very cool was that I expected it to be a slower burn than what it was. I expected it to be about an hour or so before people are explicitly talking about alan wake what happens in alan wake one and and in bright falls and all that stuff um but i what i did is i looked at my quest log and i and i saw the one that mentioned the dark place and i was like well that's clearly the alan wake quest so i enabled that said i'll go over to this elevator so i walked over to the elevator hopped in pressed the button the moment i walked into the elevator Alan Wake with his beard and his long hair sitting at his typewriter was immediately on screen in the FMV overlay that is often used, like you used quite a lot in, in control, but is used what even more in Alan Wake too. Uh, and suddenly I was immediately back into like the Alan Wake universe, right? Not that control is is hard separated from that, especially less and less as as more properties have come out but it was very very quickly like my name is alan wake i'm a writer and i was like oh okay like we're straight into this like we're we're not fucking around here we are immediately into some more alan wake content um and all i could think about was if if alan wake one was one of my favorite games back in 2010 i didn't play it back then but if if it was one of my favorite games and then got american nightmare and got a one or two pieces of extra content here and there. There was that TV show and I think there was a comic or something. But then you had nothing for a long time and you had Sam Lake explicitly making a video saying, we don't have the money to make Alan Wake 2. I'm sorry, we just don't, we can't make that project right now. Then, con- you know, then Quantum Break happens and there's a, there's a, there's a wink and a nod here to Alan, to Alan Wake, but it's in its own universe. It's not in the Shared Remedy universe that they're slowly making. But then Control happens, and and there are more explicit um, uh, references to um, Alan Wake in Control. You can find notes talking about Alan Wake and and Thomas Zane and some other stuff, and talking about how it, that they think what happened in Bright Falls is an AWE. Um, but then suddenly this DLC, if that's the first time that you've had Alan Wake content for a long time, and you immediately are thrust back in, I cannot imagine how exciting that would have been for fans of that series. Um, and I think it's quite a good middle ground um, in between Alan Wake 1 and 2. That they, they, they talk to things that happened in between those games and uh, a reaction to those events of Alan Wake 1, which are from a different perspective, I think is interesting um, from the perspective of the FBC. But also it... They set up a lot of the events that happened at the beginning of, of Alan Wake 2. Talking about a couple of FBI agents, one of them named um, Alex Casey is going to Cauldron Lake. Obviously, the the, the old gods of Asgard are in um, Alan Wake 1. Sorry, sorry, in, in control, rather. They are there, like in this music, and Arty the Janitor is another one. Um, but they really set up Alan Wake 2 in this DLC. Um, and to know that there's going to be a reverse connection in um, the Alan Wake 2 DLC, which is about the old house, the oldest house, rather, um, I think is quite exciting. Um, it's, it, it's, it's quite exciting to be a fan of those games, um, as I now have become, which I'm glad about, because they are extremely my shit. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm having a, I'm having a good time. I haven't I haven't finished the DLC yet. I've heard it's quite short. Um I I could probably finish it in a in a single sitting, but I only started it after I'd just done a big chunk of the final chapter of, of control. Um yeah, it's 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 cool. It's a it's a cool franchise and, and remedy are in an exciting place right now. Um, I don't know what their live service game looks like, uh, Vanguard, which is what I believe it is called. Um, I know that they are they have teased it ever so slightly in control, just with a couple of references to the explicit word, Vanguard. Um, however, I don't know what a live service game from Remedy looks like. Um, it's not been a thing that they've worked on before. And like realistically, it's not super what I need from them, again. Um and that's all to say that I don't that I think all live service games are bad. I want to be very clear that that while I was I was poo pooing the idea of of PlayStation really focusing on it, and I'm not super jazzed about the idea of Remedy working on it, there are there are live service games that do work um, for me, but it has unfortunately become a thing that a lot of executives can look at and go, oh, this will make us money. Um, Warner Brothers is in this exact position where they want almost all of their projects going forward to be live service experiences, which I think is... it's, it's I think that's a terrible idea and it's not even the worst idea that David Zedislav has had over the past year. Anyway, I digress. That does indeed bring us to the end of the cast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, make sure you listen to next week's episode... Uh, in, in next fortnight's episode, um, where I'm sure I'll be talking a bit about... Um, Probably a Nintendo Direct that would happen between now and then and probably also what Xbox um, announced tomorrow and then perhaps some other stuff that I've been playing. Um, will Final Fantasy be out by the time that happens, perhaps? <laughs> it will be the day Final Fantasy VII Rebirth comes out, so I would have at least started playing it. Um to so make sure you don't miss out on that. Make sure you follow us on uh, all the social media accounts, um, which is at Minimap AU and uh, on Blue Sky as well. You can follow us individually. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Obi1Jez on everywhere that isn't Blue Sky, which is jeremy.minimap.com.au. Uh, uh, you can head to minimap.com.au for absolutely everything else Minimap related, including um, the Minidisc podcast and some other articles. Um, the most recent article that went up on the website is the Benson Knights review that I did earlier this um, early this year i'm i am writing a prince of persia review so that will be up at some point soon as well as well as a foam stars review and some other stuff as well um uh, next week i will be streaming the live show so if you enjoyed it and you want to stick around make sure um you can catch us on twitch um it'd be around six thirty um melbourne time for that one And lastly, if you enjoyed this enough, um, make sure you follow us on Patreon. If you want to keep the lights and mics on, you can do that by heading on over to patreon.com slash minimapau and for five Australian dollars, um, you'll be able to support us as well as get some other fun goodies as well. Um, Thank you very much for listening to the Minimap cast. I will see you in two weeks.